Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up. Hey, hey, welcome into another edition of Talk of Champions Recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me as always, Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Ben, good evening. Maybe for the first time. I don't know if we've ever done one when the sun has has fi- has found its home in the western sky, but we are uh, we are doing a podcast at night. Good evening. We are. We are. Good evening at the beach. I get to come home. He yep. goes. Perfect, perfect setup. And on our Ole Miss Spirit message board, the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and Philip on three, people have asked us for some recruiting insight retrospectives from 2013 and 2016. So we figured this was as good a week as any. But first, some news. Our lead story tonight. The lead. You idiot, it's the lead. The lead. Yes, uh, I posted it on the board, and I quickly followed it up with, you know, just a, just a little word of advice. Jamonte Waller, the uh, four-star linebacker from Picayune Memorial High School, announced his commitment to Florida on Monday, Monday evening. It was probably around 8 o'clock Central Time. Um, I quickly re- just reported, quote, reported on the board. I I, I don't think it takes a lot of reporting or a lot of sourcing to figure this out. This recruitment is far from over. Um, look, it, it doesn't take a, uh, a recruiting insider or a genius or, uh, you know, someone that, you know, you know, could potentially steal sources um, to figure out what Florida is doing right now. They, I think they've got nine commitments in like three days. Um, I've said this to multiple people, multiple people across the on three network multiple people that I just talked to in general about college football. And I don't, I haven't talked to you about it yet. So we're going to talk about it now. I think it's very clear what Billy Napier is doing. I think Billy Napier is very nervous about the 2023 season. I think he knows that the expectations are high and a lot is on his plate to perform at a high level. And I don't think he anticipates this team being very good. And I think he is trying to push for a big recruiting class to come in. Right now, I believe they are they're, they're definitely top five. I think they might have jumped up to number two overall in the uh, team rankings. If I do a quick effort here, uh, pulling that up. Yes, they are number two right now in the on three industry ranking football team recruiting rankings behind Georgia. Um that's just my take. I mean, I look, we all know about hot boxing. We're, we're going to get into these stories here pretty quickly. But I, I think this is a bit of uh, kids going on official visits now. There, there could be some that 
have had their eyes set on Florida and being a Gator and blah, blah, blah. But some of these are, it seems like it's a program that kind of knows what's coming in the fall. And they're trying to offset that by having success on the recruiting trail. Well, I'm going to take your word on that because I honestly don't even pretend to know like I have any clue what's going on in Gainesville with Billy Napier. I I don't. But from an Ole Miss perspective, this tracks with what I've kind of been talking about on this podcast for a couple weeks now. You know, we get the question seemingly every day of all the in-state guys for 2024 Ole Miss is in on, who do you feel best about? Who do you feel most confident about? Cam Franklin, I feel pretty good about. I feel pretty good about J.J. Harrell, Braylon Burnside, a bunch of guys. Jamonte Waller's always in that group, but seemingly for the last two weeks, it's been at the end of that that grouping, um, only because I just haven't heard the same kind of confidence that maybe was getting pushed out there a couple of weeks ago, and now he commits to Florida. I'm with you. I don't think this is going to stick necessarily, but I do think it's a very obvious indicator if you're curious as to where Ole Miss stood this was not, you know, on the verge of popping for Ole Miss in any way. I think there's a long way to go. Now, Chris Davis's decommitment obviously had nothing to do with it, and now he's committed to Stanford. But Ole Miss is going to have his work cut out for it because Penn State, I, I'm kind of surprised it was Florida today. And like you mentioned, it probably has a lot to do with uh, the, the visit season showing up and feeling good, feeling good vibes, and then making a move. But Penn State was the one I was hearing the most about. So it's going to be an absolute battle of all the in-state guys that yeah. we talk about pretty much every single day. I, I maintain this a week ago. I'll maintain it now and, and up until the information really changes from Ole Miss's end. But I don't feel all that great about Jamonta Waller. Ole Miss is definitely in on it and going to continue to pursue him. But today's development that he commits somewhere other than Ole Miss isn't all that surprising. I think the two uh, the two front seven guys, Jamonte Waller, Camarion Franklin, um, it's, it's a long game for sure. It's not over with. It's going to go to signing day. And, and look, in this day and age of NIL, everything's out in the open. I'm not even going to mince words here. Look, there's probably some kind of, uh, you know, what do you want to call it? A signing bonus, a commitment bonus. Those things happen all the time. But now that it's all out in the open, there's no sense in trying to, you know, be guarded with your words. That definitely happens all the time. There are definitely visits where guys go on. They're like, hey, man, if you want to go ahead and commit, we can go ahead and give you an advance on your, you know, on your, quote, salary if you commit right now. That happens all the time. Um, I'm not saying it did. I don't know. I wasn't there. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. But, yeah, I mean, Penn State's been a very real threat to Ole Miss. Um, they are – James Franklin and company are really playing up the Micah Parsons 2.0 card. Like, hey, man, you can come here and you can be the next guy to wear number 11. I mean, that's, look, all jokes aside, I mean, they have a real case for being linebacker you with what they've what they've put out over the last couple decades and guys that have gone to the NFL. Um, I still maintain that just the conversations that I've had with him in person, not just over the phone, but when I've talked to him in person, it's been a different tone when he talks about Ole Miss. It's it's a very different inflection in the voice when he talks about Pete Golding and Lane Kiffin. And I, I look, Ole Miss is making a real push for guys in state. And it's not just a to appease the masses or whatever. There's some legitimate 
power five talent in the state of Mississippi in the 24 class. You know, Pete Golding was very upfront with Jamonte Waller. You know, hey, man, I, I came to Ole Miss. I wanted this job. I want to be the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, and I, I wanted it partially to get guys like you to come play for me. That was like his sales pitch. So that's pretty powerful for a guy that's worked for Nick Saban and has been successful, and now he's running the defense that's at the flagship university in the state that you're from. So, yeah, all the the fanfare and all the graphics and all the social media reach and all that is going to be great for Florida. And Javante Waller is going to say all the right things about Florida. And I still think, and this is not to besmirch him in, in his moment, you know, maybe he felt it. Maybe he was on his official visit and he was like, hey, man, this is it. I love Gainesville. You know, maybe they took him to the top for dinner. You know, maybe he got, maybe he got a good steak. You know, maybe had some of that, some of that good, uh, some of those good apps that they have at the top. It's a fantastic restaurant. You know, maybe you know all the jump man they got. The swamp is really cool. Got to meet Steve Spurrier. All that. Regardless of what happened on the official visit, I still think this recruitment is far from over. That's not pumping sunshine. He's an elite level recruit. These things hardly ever end when a commitment happens in June. I agree. I just don't think it's going to be Ole Miss. And it kind of tracks with what I've been hearing from sourcing. For now, the development of not coming to Ole Miss is the most significant one because I think it's, it's a good tale of where Ole Miss sits right now. Um, we wanted some definitive proof of movement here with Jamonta Waller. Well, now you've gotten it. So that means that Ole Miss has got a lot of work left to do, which is something we'd heard. But we, we wanted to see something substantive really occur here uh, mm-hmm. to know where it stands. And, and it's happened. He's committed to Florida. So if you're Ole Miss, well, now you kind of got to readjust. Um, I grant you that, yeah, I don't think it's going to stick either, especially with Florida. But um, Ole Miss is not where it wants to be. And Jamonta Wallers, that's the one we'd heard consistently. There being, being a little bit of uh, not losing momentum or anything like that. It's just other schools were out ahead. Ole Miss has work to do. They're in every single pursuit. Um, mm-hmm. They're competitive with all NIL money. It doesn't matter who the guy is. And there's going to be this up and down kind of nature to it. But at least now there's we know we, we know what's going on with Jamonta Waller. With that, speaking of Florida, let's pivot and let's mm. get into the let's let's get into the 2013 recruiting class. A lot of people have been asking us to do sort do story time, talk about this class. I mean, the three top guys, Robert Kimdichie, Laramie Tunsil, Laquan Treadwell, all had ties to Florida at some point. Laramie Tunsil, the big one, he's from Columbia High School in Lake City. The Gators wanted him. Robert Kimdichie. Everybody wanted him. Florida was in there. Laquan Treadwell. Florida tried. They weren't really in it till the end, but they tried. Let's get, first of all, the first thing I want to talk about, which is probably going to throw people for a loop when talking about the 2013 class, but since you are the guy that knows everything, and you were in there, you were in the trenches during this recruiting class, during this cycle, the first thing I want to ask you, I want the lowdown. I want the I want the four one one on Austin Golson and how all that shaked out. That was not what I was thinking, but I will say for those that are tuned into this and have listened to the Jamonta Waller stuff, no more like current stuff is going on that we're going to talk about. We're talking about the 2013 class because on our message board on the Ole Miss Spirit, some people just wanted some old stories, but I didn't know how to go about putting one of these podcasts together. I thought about calling maybe a former recruiting director or something at Ole Miss or uh, some friends that were there with me that covered with me, maybe other guys on the beat. But then I decided, you know what? I'll just let Zach ask me some questions. I didn't know what y'all wanted. So the first thing you want to know is what happened to Austin Golson? Yes, that's correct. 
Because if I'm not mistaken, I always thought it was kind of a case of this is where the kid wants to go and this is where, you know, the quote powers that be or the people that think they're decision makers want him to go. Yeah. Um, and he got paid. He got paid well. But so oh, did yeah. all those kids. And it wasn't just the 2013 kids at Ole Miss either. All of them were getting paid. What really upset George is the fact that, I mean, and, and I think it's more of a testament to Ole Miss was stepping up and saying, we're really trying to compete. We want to we want to compete at the highest level. And it's not like Ole Miss was doing anything differently than what anybody else was doing. Alabama and Georgia and all of those teams, their donor bases and the money they've raised, they had raised for recruiting and football trumped Ole Miss's like crazy. But what Ole Miss did, especially, and it started really with that 2013 class, is a targeted approach for guys who had who they had an end with to start, and then they made a competitive, you know, offer that these days would just be their quote NIL offer, and they were in pretty much every pursuit, just like Walker Jones and the Grove Collective are now. Um, there was no pursuit that they targeted at the time because it's not like they had six million in NIL offers to go get these players, um, but they'd raised enough money. For these particular pursuits, Denzel Kimdichie was on the roster, so go get Rob. Mm-hmm. Laramie Tunsil, that's the one that threw everybody off because Laquan had Anthony Standifer, Tony Connors from South Panola. And where they really built that class was in the margins. Like Evan Ingram was a low-end three-star prospect that came to camp, ran a ridiculous 40 and caught everything, and Hugh Free said, oh, that's a next-level player. Zedrick Woods was brought in because he was Laramie's teammate. So they mm-hmm. tried to do the whole end thing like they did with Standifer and Denzel with Laramie, but what really set Ole Miss apart with Laramie was just his relationship with Chris Kiffin. They tried to make it nefarious to the NCAA by putting that shit about his couch, sleeping on his couch in the uh, NOA. But quite frankly, Ole Miss just did a good job recruiting Laramie. And Georgia got so pissed. Because yeah. Georgia at the time in 2013 had never lost a recruit, especially one like Laramie Tunsil, a generational well, player. Alabama was operating on, on a level and playing all to itself. But Georgia was coming. And it was ridiculous to them that they weren't competing just like Alabama was. So their their booster network had never been – or it was on the upstart of not what it is today, which has never been stronger. So when Laramie went, goes to Ole Miss, that's what set it all off. That That's what did it. Because Laramie – I mean, I remember I was talking to Chris Kiffin about Laramie during his recruitment. He was like, look, man, it wasn't a surprise to Ole Miss. It was a, a surprise to everybody else. But that's just because in 2013, Ole Miss was – little brother or uh, Mr. Stay in your place. And if you don't, we're going to give you a spanking, you know? And now if Obis flipped a five-star from Georgia or whoever, no one's batting an eye. Everybody wants, yeah, everybody yeah. wants like this big story about Laramie, but like Laramie, there isn't one. Ole Miss no, that- paid him the money. Yeah, but so did Georgia. And Georgia was pissed that Ole Miss matched the offer and he went to Ole Miss and picked Ole Miss over Georgia because of relationships. And they bitched and moaned and complained That's- to anybody and everybody that would hear that's what happens when you match the money. Because the kid's like, yeah. well, I, I can go here and get this. I can go here and get this. Exactly what Walker Jones said on this podcast a couple weeks ago. All but two of Ole Miss's portal class took less money to come here. And it doesn't mean like they took 30 grand less because they love the Grove. No, it means that the, the offers were comparable, maybe a mm. couple grand less or whatever. But when you can get it in the ballpark like that, it kind of can revert back to or often does revert back to what used to be traditional recruiting things right. like location, relationship with your coach, yeah. uh, immediate playing time, all that kind of stuff. Larry Tunsil knew was... where he was going to – yeah, he knew no matter what he did, where he went, he was going to start. 
Yeah. But Georgia, yeah. That, like Georgia refused to believe that Ole Miss could beat it for a recruit it truly thought it was oh, going to yeah, get yeah. or set its sights on. Because Rob, was... I'm, like, there's a lot going on with Rob. Rob was different, man, because Rob loved the circus-like approach of it. He loved it. Like, he absolutely loved it. He loved all the attention. And he went and committed to Clemson mainly because it was him, Wayne Gallman, a safety that ended up coming to Ole Miss that left. I can't remember his name. But Wayne Gallman wanted to go to Clemson. <laughs> and so Rob commits in summer camp because Wayne said, like, they find, he said, look, you offer and Wayne commits, I'll commit effectively. And Clemson did those things and he committed, got Wayne to spot. It may be, maybe it wasn't Wayne, but it was one of the guys he was with. I think it was Wayne. And then turned around, just sat on it. But yeah. privately, everyone knew Denzel is on this roster. Sunday is not going to, their father is not going to let him, like, they're going to play together. Their mother was a diplomat in another country. Yeah, you talk about Robert loved the attention and loved the whole, you know, enjoyed the process is the, the term everybody uses. Laramie was just like, I just want to play ball. Like, I'm going to hear everybody out. What you got to offer? Who's going to be coaching me? Who am I going to be around? That was it. Well, and also, and, Laramie and Rob got really tight really, really quickly. And both of them are still, like, they're still friends. A lot of off seasons, especially early on in their NFL careers, Laramie would go out to Arizona because they're in Phoenix now, and would just hang with Denzel and Rob for like weeks on end in the summer. Yeah, they'd go out there and, and hang out at their uh, and, mansion with a pool, and they'd be and they have a great time and record music and stuff. I mean, just everything was in the favor for Ole Miss because of traditional recruiting stuff for Laramie. But no one wants to hear that. It wasn't sexy at all. So of course, when you talk right. about sleeping on his couch and illegal recruiting inducement, which at the time allowing a prospect to sleep on your couch was an illegal recruiting inducement. It sounds absurd to us now, but looking back on it 10 years ago, a decade ago, that's what it all stemmed from. Georgia was pissed off, but Alabama was mad too. And I remember um, Nick Saban, I was told this by an Ole Miss coach. So, you know, it's secondhand stuff, but apparently Nick Saban called Hugh and they had it out in the, in the office and stuff like that. But even then Nick was never going to like turn Ole Miss in for any of that bullshit because he understood, you know, that's just part of it. Georgia just couldn't accept. Yeah, Georgia just couldn't accept that Ole Miss was trying to pull up a seat at the big boys' table. But the difference is, is that Nick just went to freeze and said, you're an asshole, while Georgia went to the NCAA and said, hey, wait a second. Yeah, throw, throw a fit in the middle of the Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's shit. crazy to me, too, because, like, I look back on it, and a lot of the coaches back then, I remember, like, man, can you even imagine how bad it would have been if we'd have gotten Chris Jones, too? And I'm like – how much worse could it have been? At this rate, I wish y'all had just dropped the biggest bag imaginable just to just to see that defensive line with him and Rob together. And the thing okay. about that one is I love the Chris Jones recruitment because Steve Robertson was beside himself. Moral superiority that really stinks like ass that permeates from Starkville whenever big-time in-state recruiting stuff goes down. And if a state kid or a kid that state believes is theirs, because what happens every single cycle is what? State determines this is the guy we're not going to lose. Chris Jones wanted to come to Ole Miss. Now, because of where he's he was, from and the he people was, around him. He was in Oxford for three days before. Three days. Day. Three days. On his visit, you got Steve going, oh, he's not there. He's not there. And I'm literally looking at him <laughs> at the Chevron gas station. I had like 12 people text me. They were like, yeah. no, I'm staring at him right now in the library. I went and interviewed him outside the library. <laughs> and the crazy thing Derek Nix believed Ole Miss was getting Chris Jones 
up until he woke up on National Signing Day. And I thought Ole Miss was getting Chris Jones until that night before National Signing Day when I got a call at like three in the morning. It's Bob Carskadden. On the, he'd been on the plane with Dan Mullen and Jonathan Banks when Jonathan Banks went and won the Thorpe. And they were flying back. And the whole plane ride home, Dan Mullen was on the phone with Chris Jones. And when he got off, he said, all right, we're good now. And that was it. Jonathan Banks won the Thorpe. Couldn't cover Dante Moncrief in a phone booth, though. He could not. And like, him and Freeze were tight. Remember the weird story about how they still text each other when, yeah. like, two years later? Chris that Jones true. said that, like, when he was in the NFL. Yeah. Like, he was, like, three or four years into the league and said he still talks to you, Freeze. Um, oh, it's, it's like that. It's, it's weird because, like, DK, I think Freeze over the weekend had some kids at Auburn. And he FaceTimed DK. And some Ole Miss fans didn't like that. I don't blame them. But also, these players don't think like that. Introducing the new and improved BNA Bank mobile app. From setting transaction alerts and tracking your spending habits to managing travel plans and turning off a lost or stolen debit card, you can take care of all of it in the new BNA mobile app. At BNA Bank, we know that life moves pretty fast, and we have the mobile technology to keep up with your life on the go. BNA Bank, local, invested, modern banking. Are you ready for the Grove? Because I know I am. So join Lane Kiffin and your Ole Miss football rebels at Vaught Hemingway Stadium this fall for the 2023 season. Order tickets now to participate in the seat selection process and to explore seating options. Visit OleMissTix.com, OleMissTix.com, or call the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation today, 662-915-7159. For Ole Miss football season tickets, it's time again to help lock the vault. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. 
Trust me, future you will thank you. After everything that Ole Miss did and the, the, the relationship he had with you, Freeze, and it still didn't work, but Alabama does the same thing, drops a bag on A.J. Brown's porch, and he's still like, nah, I'm just going to go to Ole Miss. Well, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, why do you – I always talk about A.J. Brown as my favorite Ole Miss Rebel ever. And it's not just because he's really good, and he was really good. It's also because he could – when when everybody – when every school came to Tampa after they said everybody can get recruited, they can leave, we're going to grant them a waiver to leave Ole Miss. The Wolf of Wall Street would, gift. Yeah, who's going to stay here? And Alabama – I mean, he was friends with Jalen Hurts. They were, like, visiting each other in the offseason. One would go to Tuscaloosa for one week. The next one would come to Oxford for another week. They would camp together. They did things together. Yeah. And Alabama, I mean, they had an offer on the table. I still can't believe Nick Saban let Jalen Hurts go to Oxford and throw balls with A.J. Brown inside bought Hemingway. Well, because Nick Saban gets it, though. He knew Jalen I mean, Hurts wasn't going to, like, transfer to Ole Miss well, or anything no, like that. But, the, but but what still. he's thinking is, is, okay, I'm going to go let Jalen do that. So, A.J. next year, when Ole Miss gets sure. hammered, will go, I want to go play with Jalen and play for a <laughs> national championship rather than playing for no bowl. There's levels to this with Nick Saban. He knew exactly what he was doing. That's why I've never understood the hatred for Nick Saban. Because I feel like he he understands – and he's not like like you said with the Laramie stuff. Like he knew shit was going down, but he wasn't gonna go run and tell the teacher. Right. Well, see, the thing is, is like he's a master of the literal rules, and also he's top of his class in the unwritten rules as well. He right. mastered those before anybody else did. There's a reason it's called the Nick Saban plan, and and Tyler Siski brought it <laughs> over here to Ole Miss. They all took so, the Alabama plan, the Nick Saban plan, right. and that includes recruiting before everything was done above board. Uh, the name I was looking for earlier, David Kamara was the guy Ole Miss signed. David Kamara, there it is. Yep, that's the one I was talking about, the defensive back. Should have gotten Wayne Gallman. Uh, Wayne yeah. Gallman was very good at Clemson. Looking at this 2013 class, I did want to ask you, one thing that always bugged me, and I had several people mention this, is what they wanted us to talk about. I'm going to take the snap, and I'm going to turn and hand it to you and let you roll with it. How did both Brian Buchanan and Devontae Kincaid bust? That's a really good question. Well, I think Devontae Kincaid was just undersized. He just didn't have that kind of elite arm strength at all. Ryan Buchanan, really good looking on paper, would, would really perform well at camps and against air, but he was playing in a low classification. So, really, he probably wasn't a true four-star as he was ready to come out, of, uh, come out of high school. But he had the prototypical build. He had a big arm and stuff like that. What really hurt Ryan is that he couldn't run. Um, Devontae could run, but he, could, he had just no deep ball accuracy at all. Now, Devontae Kincaid in 2023 would be a lot of fun wherever he went. Mm -hmm. But in 2013, even with an up, you know, up tempo style and offense under Hugh Freeze, you need a true trigger man. A lot of people go, well, maybe that was a high school developmental quarterback problem. I disagree. Dan Warner was an awesome quarterbacks coach. In my opinion, one of the yeah. most underrated and best and, quarterbacks coaches in the history of the sport. And the crazy thing, Brian Buchanan, you know, played Jackson Prep. All due respect to people out in Flowood. That's what I'm saying. Lower class, small classification. But Devonta Kincaid played Skyline in the Metroplex. Like that's big time football in Texas. So he was putting up numbers against good high school programs. 
but the arm strength just especially pushing the ball down the field and that's really what Hugh Freeze did with that up-tempo offense what made it so good is they didn't run a ton of plays they ran variations of the same play but it was quick processing and Mm -hmm. wherever the right throw was it didn't matter if it was short intermediate or long deep when you have to make the right decision whatever the decision is be able to get the ball there and that's where Devontae really struggled and also where Ryan struggled too but also back then recruiting services too I mean, they handed out four stars. They're, they're much more judicious with four-star rankings and stuff of that nature. And not to say that Ryan Buchanan at the time wasn't a four-star prospect. I think by prototype and the size and how he performed at camps, he looked like a low-end four-star, high-end three-star. It's easy to go, how did both of these four-stars bust? But Raymond Cotton was a four-star too. I think, <laughs> oh. the rec- as, as with everything, <laughs> the art of recruiting and evaluation and scouting is ever evolving and is more advanced right. now than it was back in 2013. He could make those intermediate throws, but just what people demand now and really pushing the ball downfield, he just couldn't do. Yeah, he really could. He just didn't have that kind of next level arm strength. I'll just put it this way they were the primary backups to Bo. Hugh tried to do everything. I mean, Bo will tell you this. Hugh tried to do everything he could to replace Bo. But neither of those kids really put up any kind of uh, a real push mm-hmm. on him. And then when you wa- went and watched Chad Kelly, the troubled kid from Clemson at East Mississippi Community College, and you watched him throw a ball in comparison to the two kids who've been practicing all year behind Bo Wallace you've been trying to replace. Yeah, you want to talk about arm talent. Um, oh, yeah. When you, saw, couple- when you saw him throw a ball, you knew. <laughs> you knew immediately. It was funny about those. that was the last year in 2013. That was the last year that, I, that was like the golden age – of my coverage of recruiting. I loved it back then. Um, I was eating up with it, man. I, I just couldn't get enough. Me and Yancey used to put in our predictions for the remaining big targets at the night before every signing day. And I remember I went eight for eight on that 2013 class. Almost really mm-hmm. thought I was going to get Jamal Adams for a minute, but more, that was more about a pipe dream from Hugh Freeze. I thought the um, more realistic one in the secondary that year was Vernon Hargraves. Yeah. If his dad wasn't on staff at Florida, he would have gone to Ole Miss. Ole Miss knew, even Ole Miss knew, as brazen as people thought they were trying to be, even though they just did a better job with Laramie. If they'd have gotten Fernand Hargraves too. But again, uh-huh. I now look back at it in retrospect and go, why not just try to get all of them then? Right. But, you know, these days, Hugh Freeze doesn't run from any recruiting pursuit. Right. It doesn't matter. If they're the number one kid to um, 150, he will recruit them if he thinks they have any interest in their school. Lane Kiffin the same way. Every coach operates this way. But back then, it was a targeted approach. Ole Miss was so trendy after going seven and six. And people could talk all the noise they want to, and justifiably so, about Houston Nutt. It was a master stroke getting Denzel on this roster. That cycle was crazy. Crazy. Vernon Hargraves visited Ole Miss. And... Ole Miss had a legit shot of getting three of the top five players in the 2013 class. Yeah. Well, Ole Miss was so trendy, and Laramie was talking up Ole Miss, and Rob was obviously talking up Ole Miss, even though he was getting his teammates at Grayson. Yeah, Laquan had already committed. Um, So they were trendy. And Vernon, like Vernon, they were all friends. Vernon and them, they were all friends. Jamal Adams, they were all friends. The fascinating thing with Jamal is he didn't want to go to Ole Miss, but he was going to go to Ole Miss – because that's where everybody he was friends with went to. He didn't have a home. It was so late. LSU was a late flip for Jamal Adams. It's not like LSU. He loved LSU as a tiger through and through from mm. junior season. I mean, it was late in the process. 
and a lot of that had to do with he drug it out as long as he could. Ah, I guess I'm going to go to Ole Miss. I like all the people there. That, Love Hugh Freeze. Yeah, Carl Lawson, kinda... he eliminated Ole Miss when he came on campus. His mom saw a Confederate flag. <laughs> that just shows like the cachet of that of that class. And I mean, you had the number one, the number four players that were picking Ole Miss. I mean, Sua Cravens at one point was even considering Ole Miss. He was the number eight overall prospect in that class. He signed and played at USC and went on to the NFL. But, I mean, you had Chris Jones at number 15. We all know what happened there. Laquan Treadwell at 16. He was already committed and signed with Ole Miss. One that I think is forgotten is Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. From Memphis. Or, no, Cordova. Uh, he's what from he? he's Nashville. Well, y'all are all the same. I know you like to hear that. <laughs> uh, he he gave Ole Miss a long look. And Florida State, to their credit, played up, you know, hey, be the next Dion. And look, as we can see now with Colorado, that's enough to, to tip the scales. But just, I know this is woulda, coulda, shoulda, and oh, they almost got it, you know, ifs, ands, and buts, candies, and nuts, and all that. But Jalen Ramsey was a five-star prospect who was a top 25 guy and he thought about little old Ole Miss like you said coming off a seven and six season and that just shows like that class's effect and we'll get into it in the 2016 class because this definitely you know had a play on that class but I mean yeah you you have the number one overall player in the country you know we talked about this on the podcast couple you know last week about who was the best overall recruit? Who was the most influential recruit? I mean, I I think Robert Kimdichie still holds that title because there's only one number one overall guy in every class. And Robert Kimdichie could have gone anywhere he wanted to, and he still picked Ole Miss. So just crazy. Um, Let me put it this way. If in 2013 Ole Miss and college football were operating by the rules of 2023, Chris Jones would have been an Ole Miss Rebel. Oh, there he wouldn't been he wouldn't have been the only one. And one um, of Jamal Adams and Vernon Hargraves would have been an old Miss Rebel. Last couple things on 2013 before we close up shop. I do want to talk about uh a couple tight ends here. Let's talk about this one first. Christian Morgan, he was in that <laughs> class. Come on now, don't lie. I forgot about him. He was a four star. He was. Uh could not move, man. Could guy not move. That, guy that was was recruited, thought of highly. You said it couldn't move. There was a lot of, you know, oh well, he came here, didn't really jive with what what Ole Miss was doing. He he got homesick, you know, whatever. But a, a tight end, six four, two fifty five. They brought him in as kind of like a, he'll be the the yin to you know, Evan Ingram's yang. It'll be a, no, he know. didn't. He wasn't homesick. He was trying to get a waiver because Evan started from game <laughs> one. Evan's Evan to me is one of the most important recruits in Ole Miss history. If we want to close the book on Christian Morgan right here, we can move on to Evan Ingram because I want to do just just a brief the offer sheet that Evan Ingram had because it is South Alabama is the only one I remember. All right, here we go: Air Force, Furman, Georgia State, Marshall. 
Navy, Ohio, South Alabama, Toledo, Wake Forest, Wofford, and Youngstown State. The greatest uh, recruiting class in Ole history. Mm-hmm. Or most fun. By far the most fun. If in 2013, Ole Miss and college football was operating by 2023 rules. Yeah. By the, uh, by the book, not the best signing class in almost history we'll get to that on the next episode um this has been fun little little uh little peek behind the curtain down memory lane um next episode we will get into 2016 talk about that hopefully we did good enough sufficiently enough to uh pacify your your need for some 2013 nostalgia i think we did i think we did well thank you for listening as always, thank you to the sponsors for making it possible. Be sure to stay locked in at omspirit.com, an affiliate of On3, who will have all the latest news and notes for recruiting. Until next time, take care.